Zechariah 4. We'll just lift out a short reading as we did last week. Small things in the hands of a big God, part 2. Zechariah 4 and verse 10. Just one line again. The Lord speaks through the prophet. Listen to what he says. For who hath despised the day of small things? For who hath despised the day of small things? Let's pray. Father, help us to see that your power does not abate nor diminish in small matters. You're mindful of them and you are in control of all things. So we bring ourselves to you. And we thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness and for your great love and for your glory. Thank you for loving us. Your loving kindness is better than life. Father, Take your word now and wing it home to every heart and strengthen us and meet us at every point of our need and glorify thy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Small things in the hands of a big God. For who hath despised the day of small things? The word despised here is the word booze. And it means to hold in contempt. To hold in contempt. It means to hold as insignificant. So the Lord says, who hath held in contempt the day of small things? Or who has held as insignificant small things? Now last week we looked at how the very walls and temple of Jerusalem were in wreck and ruin, burnt to the ground. The gates were no more. They were black and charred and there was a heap of rubble. That's all there was left, just rubble. Rubble that was burnt. Rubble that was seemed to the human eye useless. Even their enemies come to buy in Sanballat and they say if a fox comes and pushes against this wall it'll fall over. There's no strength in it. Sure, it's contemptible. It's insignificant. And how sometimes the devil wants you to think like that believer. He wants you to think that if a fox, as it were, were to run against you, a little thing. If some small trial will come your way, are you ready to fall over? Are you ready to lay down and die? Are you ready to stand against him? And trusting the Lord. The Lord tells us nowhere in scripture does he say to fight the devil. That is in the new covenant especially. Nowhere does he say even at times we are to take up our arms and start to try and fight him with man's hands or man's abilities. Or anything that we can throw at him in return. The Bible says simply resist. Resist the devil and he will flee. Why do we resist? Because we might seem contemptible. We might seem small. 
we might seem despised and insignificant, but you're not. When you're a born-again believer, you have all the power of heaven within you. The kingdom of God's rule and reign. The spirit of God himself lives in you. And when the devil runs against you in all reality, he runs against the wall and knocks himself out. He runs against the wall and he knocks himself out. Stronger still and greater still is when you and I called lively or living stones. We are fitly framed together to a building, the body of Christ, the church of the living God. When he runs against that wall, when we stand together in unity of the Spirit, there's no way he can climb over nor get around nor penetrate. He's a defeated foe. So we resist him as a wall would resist those who run against it. And I'll challenge you, there's plenty of walls around us in this building. I'll challenge you to run into the wall and see who survives. The wall survives. And how much more will the child of God survive? Standing in Christ, filled with the Spirit, washed in the blood, under his matchless grace. He is the devil. Well, the man and the woman outside of Christ are trying to do things away from the Lord may find a different story. But with the anointing of the Spirit, the devil must flee. It's a done deal. There's no getting around this. There's no, let's sit down and talk about it. We do not talk with the devil. We just tell him who we are. We are the children of the living God. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. That's who you are this morning. You may seem small, but you know you're really great. I'll say it again. You may seem small in your eyes. You may feel small, but you are really great. God has lifted us up. So who has despised the day of small things? And man holds things in contempt the gospel in contempt, Christians in contempt, the word of God in contempt. But the Lord does not hold it in contempt when you and I walk in it. The eyes of God see small things, and small things given into his hands and placed into his care, keeping and trust. Those small things become large things, powerful things. Those insignificant things become significant. So you are significant This morning in Christ. You're significant. You might think, well, I'm just a a young person or I'm just a a housewife. And I put that in brackets. You might say, I'm I'm just a mother looking after children. I'll put that in brackets too. You may put them all in brackets in case someone says, hold on a moment. You may say, I'm just this. You're not just that. You're a child of the king. You are of royal standing. You are adopted into the family of God through the eternal spirit. You belong to Christ. Christ belongs to you. You are within him and he is within you. And you have all the powers of heaven and the glory of God at your disposal in our Lord Jesus Christ. So you are great this morning. You might feel it. You may not feel it. You might not think it. But you are. You're important 
and you are significant. Who knows whether thou hast come to the kingdom for such a time as this? How do you know that you're not just coming into your time of fruitfulness? How do you know that you're not coming into your time of ministerial labor and reaping? How do you know that you're not coming into your time today or tomorrow or next week? You're about to break through into the time of blessing and plenty. How do you know you're not about to come into new realms of God, a new sphere of the Holy Spirit? How do you know that you're not about to reach up and soar with wings like eagles? For they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Here is the man and the woman who are trusting, waiting, watching, praying, serving. No matter how insignificant you feel that ministry is. No matter how small you feel, God says it is not to be classed as insignificant nor contemptible nor despised for I have placed you there and let God do what God's going to do. God will breathe when his breath is ready to be breathed upon you and none shall stand against it. We looked at how Zechariah says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts, in Zechariah 4 and 6. So God is interested in small things, minute things, little details, and God uses them for his glory. And God can increase them. God can bless them. And the smallest point of God's glory is as great and as powerful and as anointed and as mighty as the biggest part of God's glory. I've said this before, I'll say it again. The old Puritan one said, God's circumference is nowhere. God's circumference is nowhere. He is the great eternal spirit who fills the heavens and the earth. God's circumference is nowhere. But his center is everywhere. His center is everywhere. In other words, the center of the power of the Spirit of God, of the eternal Spirit, is centralized in me this morning. It's centralized in you this morning, believer. In other words, you and I have the same Holy Spirit that God spoke through who raised the mountains from the sea, separated the waters, called forth creation. You and I within us have the same Holy Spirit where God came in power and glory throughout Israel's history. You and I have the exact same Holy Spirit within us this morning, within you, believer. This is how significant you are. We have the exact same Holy Spirit that was on and in our Lord Jesus Christ, who performed all of his wondrous ways, works, and miracles. You and I have the exact same Holy Spirit residing, abiding, dwelling, and living in every single one of us who are living or lively stones in Christ, which raised our Lord Jesus from the dead. That Spirit abides and lives in you this morning. How insignificant do you feel now? 
God is interested in little things. Listen, Matthew 19 and verse 13, the Lord Jesus is asked to bless the little children. His disciples were chasing them away. It says, but Jesus said, suffer or allow the little children and forbid them not to come unto me. For such is the kingdom of God, he says. In other words, the word here for little children is the word paideon. And it really means they were little children. It means they were little children who probably were jumping on his knee and maybe putting on his arms or running around him in circles, just like our little children in here this morning. And Jesus didn't say, shoot them out and get rid of them. Jesus says, great, bring them here. They'll put them on my knee and bless them. He cares for the little things and he cares for your children. He cares for your grandchildren. He cares for your family. He cares for everything, no matter how small. He cares for the baby in the womb. I want to say it again. Jesus cares for the baby in the womb. So you know, as we know with a a couple or three expecting mothers in our assembly... And when others have had their children, we have your, the photographs of all the newborns. I have them all who have given me those wee cards with the photograph of the baby. I got one recently there from Rebecca of your, of your own Brighton as well, of we Hannah. And the, all these photographs of all the children, Zach's there and, and Caleb's there and... and Emily's there. I could go around all the babies. I don't want to leave them all. I don't want to leave them all out. We Edmonds there. All of them are there. All that I have photographs. And I sit and I look at the photographs of them. And I say, Lord, you care about these. You care about these, the little ones. And here God says he cares about the baby in the womb. The little minutest detail of your life, God is interested in it. The minutest detail of your life, God is interested in it. He mentioned the quotation from the hymn, Little as much when God is in it. And that hymn writer was right when he wrote that. Little is much when God is in it. So whatever is little in your eyes and whatever you're feeling little or you're thinking little, small, don't be despised nor let others despise you. Listen, the person, the man, the woman who feel little, who have no confidence, who have maybe been put down a lot in their lives. You know, we're so blessed that many people have had a godly brought up life where they've They've had parents who, who have had maybe plenty or others have had parents who haven't had much but love them. But there's a lot of people who have been brought up and their parents weren't very good parents. They didn't love them enough. They treated them rough. They, they grew up rough. They treated them harshly. Some were abused and all sorts of things have happened. There's a lot of things that have happened but now even a lot of them who are adults it stays with them to the point where they feel their worthlessness. 
they feel that they're worth nothing and they accept anything. Anything that's handed out to them, anything that's given to them, whether it's a woman by a man who treats them wrong, who uses them and abuses them, or whether it's a man by a woman. But whatever it may be, there are those who have grown up in certain ways and we haven't all had a blessed life. And some who have had a blessed life look down their nose at others, but you are not to despise those people, for God loves them. Christ loves them. Especially those who have come under the fountain of blood. Especially those who are trusting in him. They've been put down all their lives and as a child, maybe now an adult who have had a rough time. And they've been subject maybe to bullies in school and things like that. They don't see the world the way you and I see them. They have no direction in life. There's no light and leading, no hope. They've no plans and purpose for their lives. It's more or less, let's get through today. And people are struggling. People struggle. People who end up with nothing and out on the street and lying in their own vomit and we walk past them as if, well, who are they? The Lord loves them. The Lord loves them. There's people who feel they have nothing to offer. They have no gifts, no talents, no wisdom, no riches, no wealth, no happiness, no joy in life. They have no strength left. They have no will to carry on. And... They feel so bad and sadly some take their lives. Some take their lives. They feel so small. And maybe you feel so small, weak, depressed, whatever way you feel. The word of the Lord to you is, give it into the hands of God. Give yourself into the hands of Jesus. Give yourself to him. Give your smallness to his will. Give your smallness and let it be surrounded. Let it be drowned. Give your smallness and let it be swallowed up by his bigness and by his greatness. Listen, Psalm 18 and verse 35. One little line in it says this. The psalmist realizing when he's feeling lower than low, when he's feeling lower than low, when he's feeling he, he doesn't know what way to turn and his life is just passing him by. But more than that, it's passing him by at a terrible rate where every day is a struggle and every day he's hurting and every day he's fretful and fearful. Listen to the psalmist now who is now enjoying the blessing of the great king, that is, of the Lord himself. Listen to what he says. And one line encompasses and encapsulates it all. He says... Thy gentleness, he says unto the Lord. Thy gentleness hath made me great. Lord, your gentleness to me, when all others would chase me, when Saul would throw spears at me, when Absalom would want, my own son would want to cut me down, when none want to know me, when I'm hiding in the caves and the dens of the rocks, when I'm just a, no, no bigger or no greater, no more thought of than a wild goat. And the army of thousands of chosen men of Israel hunt me down to take my life. And I feel so miserable and small and worthless and useless. Even the enemy didn't want me when I let spittle run down my beard and clawed the doorposts as though I was mad. Even he threw me out of his presence. But Lord, you still love me. But Lord, you still love me. 
You still wanted to bless me. You still had a plan and a purpose for me. And Lord, even though I moved out of it for a while, yet in your sovereignty, Lord, you bring me back. You brought me into it and you have caused it to have fruit and come to fruition. This is what the psalmist is saying. He said, thy gentleness hath made me great. The gentleness of God has made him great. The word gentleness here is the word anva. It means, listen to this now. It gives the idea of meekness, humility, and condescension. Meekness, humility, and condescension. You see, whenever the psalmist is praying this, he needs someone to come down to his level. Think about this. He needs someone to come down to his pit. He needs someone to come down to where he is. He can't go to him. He needs him to come to where he is. The psalmist says, I was so low. I was so small. I'm so despised. I am nothing. I am a waste of space, Lord. Basically, he's saying, Lord, when I was in the depths of despair, when I was down and out, when I had nothing left, he says, Lord, you became meek. The great God became meek. To notice a man in a cave where others couldn't find him. To come to a man in a cave where others knew not where he was. He says, Lord, you became meek. You came to me. It's like that course He came to me. He came to me when I couldn't come to where he was. He came to me. There's a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ on Calvary coming to you and me. When we can't attain salvation nor do nothing to merit it, he came to me. In other words, you condescended to me, Lord. Listen to what Hannah says. Hannah 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 8. Hannah has no children looking for a child and she's now on a bit in years. She's praying and Eli sees her move her lips but cannot hear her, thinks she's drinking, thinks she's drunk. 1 Samuel 2 and 8 says, Hannah realizes that God comes to bless her, to promise a child unto her. Listen to what she says after God he comes and blesses her and gives her her need, meets her at the point of her need. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill. Notice who set them among princes. Look where we are now, sitting in heavenly realms, sitting in Christ Jesus. Our life is hid with Christ and God And we are sitting in heavenly realms, poor beggars off the dust, lifted by Christ. Notice this, to set them among princes, to make them inherit the throne of his glory. Notice, set them among princes, that they're going to work hard to have the throne of his glory. It doesn't say that. He makes us. I will make you fishers of men, he says. Follow me. Here he makes us to rule and reign with him. Listen, here's how important you are. 
Here's how precious you are. Here's how significant you are. In Mark chapter 8 and verses 36 and 37, the Lord says, For what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You, the real person who you are, you are so precious. Your soul, the real you inside that fleshy tabernacle and tent you're sitting in, the one that needs its hair combed and its teeth brushed and except for you, Roy. <laughs> well, you need your teeth brushed. I said that because he was laughing when I said that. But we need to clothe ourselves to keep warm and so on, to eat, to keep alive. That tabernacle, but the real you inside, the real soul, the real man, the real woman. The Lord Jesus says, you are so precious to him. There is nothing can be added in all of this world. All the bonds in the banks and the money, and well, there isn't enough money in the banks now anyhow, but all the bonds, all the money, all the transactions, all the gold, the silver, the, the precious stones and the diamonds, the oil reserves and the gas, the trillions of cubic meters and all the things that are going on in this world, the trillions and the trillions of dollars worth. In fact, take the world as a ball in space itself and offer it to Almighty God for your salvation and for your redemption. And Jesus says, it's not enough. You are worth more. That's why you cannot do good works nor pay alms and deeds. That's why you can do nothing to merit salvation. If you had the whole world and everybody done good works on your behalf, every single seven billion people said, we will be good and great, the best we can be just for Ken, that he might enter heaven, it wouldn't work. And if you're able to take the world and say, see this big blue ball in space, Father, we give it to you if you'll let Ken into glory. The Father says, it's still not enough. He's worth more. You're worth more. You're not insignificant. The world cannot afford you. I want you to think about that. The world cannot afford you. That's why Christ himself came to us. He condescended in meekness and humility and went to the cross of Calvary, shed his precious blood, the blood which was pure, that you might go to heaven. That's how important you are. You're not insignificant. I want to just round this up. Stay with me for a few moments. Listen, you're weak this morning. Joel 3 and 10 says, let the weak say, I am strong. The more you keep telling yourself you're nothing and and you're contemptible, the more you tell yourself you can't do it, the more you get on with yourself and say, this is overtaking me and overcoming me, the more you do that, the smaller you'll feel. God says this morning, let the weak say, I am small, strong. Let the weak say, I am strong. 
Listen to 2 Corinthians 12 and 9. The Lord says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. See, when you're weak, God himself is working in you. When you're weak, God himself is carrying you. When you're weak, God's glory is shown in you. For then you're not puffed up and full of pride and vanity. And we don't say we did this of ourselves. It's all of him, you see. Hebrews 11 speaks of those who, although weak and small, and in the minority, those believers in Almighty God from Old Testament right through to the book of Hebrews, and gave themselves into the hands of God with full trust in him. And through faith, the little, the small, the despised, the contemptible, the insignificant became great in God's eyes. Hebrews chapter 11, known as Faith's Hall of Fame, verse 34 says this, Out of weakness they were made strong and waxed or became, grew valiant in fight. Out of weakness... God used that they became valiant in fight. Yes, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. This is my last, my last scripture, and we'll close here. It's in our small days we learn more about him. It's in the valley we learn more than on the mountaintop. It's in those days we lean more on him. On the mountaintop we tend to run on and forget him. When things are going well we tend to forget God. That's why God said to Israel, when you go into the promised land, do not forget the Lord that blessed thee. Don't you forget me, he says. I know how many times we arrive at a place and we arrive at a a prayer answered time, things we've strived for and God has blessed us, then we forget God and we not following the way we used to. But listen to this, Deuteronomy 7 and 7. This is my last, my last scripture. Israel were brought out of Egypt as slaves. And they were saying, we're going into the promised land, boys, not be long. And then they realized they were small and contemptible in the, in the eyes of the nations, weak. Now listen to this. Deuteronomy 7 and 7. The Lord did not set his love upon you. Listen to what God said to them. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because ye were more in number than any people. For ye were the fewest of all people. The Lord says, hold on a wee minute. I didn't choose you when you were weak. I don't want you thinking it's because of who you are that I chose you. I don't want you thinking it's because of who you are that you're going to be able. I don't want you thinking it's because of who you are that miracles are going to happen and things are going to take place. It's nothing to do with you, he says. Look, when you were first called by me, I didn't call you in your strength and I didn't call you because of who you are and what you could do and what you could achieve or what you could attain. He says, the Lord did not set his love upon you or choose you because you were more than number than any people for ye were the fewest of all people. You were the weakest, he says. See the words there, set his love upon you. The Lord did not set his love upon you. See the the term there, 
It's a word, keshach. And keshach means, gives the idea to desire. Now this is important for you this morning before we leave. The Lord did not set his love upon you because you were great. Because we were all in our sin. Some sins manifest more than others and had a, a rougher upbringing as we have said. And, but we were all sinners, every single one of us. Come short of the glory of God. And the word here, set his love upon you, is the word kashach. It means to desire. The Lord, in other words, says to Israel, I desired you. Wow, think about this now. Lord, you desired me. You've set your love on me. God has desired you. It means to long for. The Lord longed to have you. From before the foundation of the world, God set his love on you and God desired you. God longed for the day that you would come to the knowledge of his love. So don't forget it. And here's the last rendering of it. God did not set his love on you. It means to be attached. Isn't that strange? It means God came and he attached his love to you. God came and he attached himself to you. See, wherever you go, you can't get rid of him. He's attached to you. Think about it. His love is attached to you. Lord, I want to go into the world. Well, if you're going in the world, I'm attached to you. Is that where you want to bring me? I feel so small today, Lord. I feel so contemptible and weak. Despised. Nothing. The Lord says, I am attached to you. My love is attached to you. My gentleness hath made thee great in my son. Believe who you are in Christ this morning. That God's love is attached to you and he will not let up nor let you go. In Jesus' name, amen.